0: and welcome to the Migrant Next Door. I'm your host and fellow migrant Ratika and I'm here to talk about all things related to migrants. So we'll discuss everything from moving to a new country, mental health, relationship problems, culture shocks, investing and more in the journey to build a home away from home. So, we are in September now, which means it's been a month since we started our podcast. Thank you to all of the listeners for um, patiently waiting every Monday for the new episode and also providing all the feedback. Um, It really helps me improve and and we always have room for improvement. So, thanks for that. Now that it's September, it's the start of spring in New Zealand and um, we had a really good weekend. Um, Saturday, Sunday was great nice sunny days. It wasn't cold at all which was amazing but today is Monday and the weather has turned shitty again and I just can't understand how it, it changes so quickly. Um I mean we had just great days on Saturday, Sunday and today it's just like pouring rain outside. It's cold again and I just I can't make sense of it because it is spring so it should feel like spring Uh, anyways so now that I've already complained about the weather it is also part of of that shock that you initially feel and that's what I want to talk about today I want to talk about culture shocks what they are and just give some examples about the culture shocks that I Had when I moved here to New Zealand. So first of all, for anyone who doesn't know, what exactly is a culture shock? Um, so it is basically an experience that you have when you move to a different surrounding or to like a different environment. So in this example, like a different country, and the way people do things are different to what you're used to of in your home country or in your own like environment, and It could be anything i mean from little things to like big things and and that comes off as a shock to you because you're not used to doing something a certain way which you think everyone's doing here so you're like oh well i had my own way of doing it but clearly that's not how all of you do it so um mostly i think i found culture shocks funny but sometimes uh, they can be serious as well Um, but in my experience I thought oh wow okay I mean initially I was a bit intrigued and then I was a bit frustrated and then I thought all right let's just get on with it you know not that I haven't a lot of options now that I've moved here can't just run back so yeah I'll I'll talk about a few examples uh, from when I moved here and I'll I'll try and keep these examples in like a sequence of when I first felt that way so first of all when I moved here um traveling around or going from place a to place b a lot of people drive here so not everyone uses public transport so got myself a car and i am from india in case you have forgotten and in india back in the day when i was when i used to live there everyone drove a manual car so like 5 gears and then reverse and that's how you drive that's that's the car that you get but and that's how I learned driving back in India as well. It wasn't a manual car. So, I mean, it's obviously a little bit hard to understand with all the gears shifting and all of that um, and the traffic. But, but when I came here, um, there were obviously manual cars, but there were also automatic cars. And automatic cars don't have like different gears. They just have like a drive gear. So, you go forward, then there's a reverse. So, you, you, you go backwards, you reverse. Then there's a park. So when you park your car, you you just move the gear to park. And I think there's like a sport mode in a few cars. But that's it. So when you have to drive, you don't have to constantly shift gears from like one to two. If you accelerate, then like three, four. There's no clutch in these cars as well. So like, what do I do with my left foot? Like, I don't know what, it's of no use now. Might as well just have one foot, you know. So when I first said in an automatic car I just I was like oh my god how hard is this thing when it is actually really easy to drive an automatic car you don't have to constantly have one hand on the gear because you're not really changing gears but I was really scared of it so I thought nope I'm just gonna go buy a manual car and we'll go with that um, and it went okay initially I have to say but then when I switched cars I, I thought well it's so much more easy if I, if I just buy an automatic car I mean how hard can it be um, so when I first drove an automatic, I just, I was braking too hard because if you have a manual car, you'll obviously push the clutch and then slightly brake and the car comes to a stop. But over here, there's no clutch. So, so I would constantly put my left foot down to then find that there's no clutch. And you know, that panic starts to set in when you're in traffic. So that did happen with me. And it, I have to say it was a big shock because um, I think now in India, they, they have, automatic cars as well I'm not really sure but um, back when I was learning there wasn't even if there were they were not in our city so I had no idea that something like an automatic car actually exists but now that I've been driving automatic for a few years it is so damn easy like why would you buy a manual? why and and the best part is when you're driving an automatic you can actually use your other hand to eat or drink or do whatever you don't have to put that hand on the gear because you don't have to change gears so yeah that was number one and um, I, I kind of was frustrated initially but then I got used to it and then I realized okay that's actually easier than what I know or what I think is the right way to do something which is driving cars but there were a few other things that happened initially when I moved and <laughs> this this thing happened with me so I think I was probably like two weeks old in the country when I went out to buy some groceries. Now, this is before I found my Indian store, okay? So, I'm already frustrated and thinking I'm going to die of hunger, okay? Being just a bit bit more dramatic than I usually am. And I walk into this mall and the mall also has a supermarket. So, I walk in and I'm looking around all the shops, making my way to the supermarket and I see these two guys... And they are bare feet so they don't have shoes on or jandals or slippers or any slide-ons nothing no socks they're just walking bare feet in the mall minding their own business and when I first saw that I thought gosh are they like like poor people do they not have money to buy shoes but one of these two guys was also holding a Starbucks cup of coffee And I thought, well, surely if this guy can buy Starbucks, he can buy shoes. (laughs) Like, am I missing something here? What's happening? So anyways, I was a bit like weirded out. But then I just thought, never mind, you know, who knows what's happening here. (laughs) So I just I just went to my grocery store, bought what I had to buy. And then I walked, walked back out and in the parking lot, um, this car parks next to me while I'm trying to like get out of there and so this lady parks steps out of the car again no shoes on and just walks on the road and then walks through in the mall and I thought I am definitely missing something here is this the new is it a new trend that you don't wear anything on your feet and you just walk where you want to because you can't do that in India (laughs) it's yeah it's it's not convenient but over here, everyone was doing it. So a few weeks later, I asked a friend in the university who was a local, and I said, "What am I missing?" And apparently, people do that because it's the summer season and they are hot, so they don't want to put on shoes. It's like it's like wearing a jacket in summer. So you don't want to like you don't want to wear socks and then put your shoes on. So you just wear bare feet. And I saw a few people in the university as well and I have to say initially just trying to mingle I did try it Um, it wasn't great because first of all I come from India and um, I come from a family that is like very much into wearing your shoes or your or your jandals or whatever it is you can't go around bare feet in my house so <laughs> so I did try it felt really cool but then I thought nah it's not for me just you know others can do it I'll just ignore them and obviously they're not poor so you know whatever um so yeah there was that then the other thing that I I found that it was like it was interesting and it was actually it was also convenient I have to say and I don't think it's like an Indian thing I think it's an Asian thing so for example I've come out for dinner with my friends there's like three other friends once we've had our dinner all four of us would want to pay and it's almost like it's a competition on who gets their card out first to tap to pay and if I'm trying to do that I will pay for all four of us not just for myself so I'll be like okay the bill's 100 bucks that's fine I'll go and pay and then my other friend be like no 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 I'm gonna pay this time you can do it next time and then my third friend chips and be like no 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 I'm gonna pay this time you guys paid the last time and while we're having this discussion the fourth friend actually runs (laughs) and and pays so that's what I'm used to (laughs) But when I came here I went out with a few friends from university and everyone ordered food. And when it was time to pay, one by one, everyone paid for their own food. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, because in India and even here with some of my Indian friends, like sometimes when, when you would do that, you would think, gosh, obviously I paid for everyone, but that was like 150 bucks. That's a lot of money. But you just do it because that's the culture. But over here, everyone pays for themselves. Even for like birthday parties. So if it's my birthday and and everyone's meeting for like a birthday dinner to celebrate my birthday, everyone will still pay for their own food and drinks. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's a bit. In those situations I seriously find that it's a bit odd that people do that but otherwise when you're just going out on like social dinners with friends or colleagues and everyone pays for their own food I think it's really great because then you don't have to worry about oh my god who's gonna pay oh my god what if someone goes and pays for my food so then now next time I have to really make sure that I pay for them and you can't you can't remember all these things i actually did tell one of my friends back home that this is how they do it here and she was like wow that's actually good you don't have to worry about what others are eating or or what you'll have to pay for or what if someone goes and pays for your food that's even worse so yeah it, it works where it works but it doesn't it doesn't work where it doesn't work um so yeah culture shocks are are really I mean, they are part of your journey when you move overseas, but also they kind of give you this like the sense or this understanding of of what that culture is. And obviously, because it's different to you, that culture is a shock. But overall, once you understand it, I think it's it gets really better, and you sort of relate more to the people that you have around you. So like friends or colleagues or whoever you're living with, you know, it's it just makes it really easy. I think. So yeah. The again I've got more examples, you know, I can keep going. So <laughs> there's a few things when it comes to food. When you're having food in New Zealand, you will say, Let's have tea or it's time for tea. And if anyone says that to me, I'll be like, Oh yeah, sweet, I'll have tea Because I actually love the beverage tea. And I can drink tea anytime. So I was once at this friend's house and they were like, oh, let's have tea now. And it was like six o'clock in the, in the evening. And I said, yeah, sure. That's the time I usually have tea. Might as well have a cup here. And then I step out into their like living room and they've got like dinner on on the table. And they were trying to have dinner. And I said, but you said tea. And they were like, yeah, tea, food. So, So yeah, tea is food. When someone says to you, it's six o'clock, let's have tea. They mean, let's have dinner. It's six o'clock, let's have dinner. But then it also means afternoon tea. Afternoon tea means after your lunch, you'll have like a snack and a tea. And morning tea, which means, again, just before lunch, you'll have, well, not just before lunch, but like before lunch, say around like 10, 30, 11, you'll have like a little snack and a cup of coffee or tea. But all of this is called tea. <laughs> Which, I mean, my stupid brain was like, gosh, let me have a cup of tea. But no, it's not just a cup of tea. You have to drink tea, but also eat your dinner at 6 p.m., which, um, Asian countries, India, including, we don't really eat dinner that early. It really is time for tea, not dinner. But yeah, anyways, I've, I've kind of adjusted to that now. And there's also the thing with food. So if you um, if you go out to a restaurant and you want to eat, say you go out to like an Indian restaurant, right? And then you tell the waiter who's taking your orders and you say, okay, can I please have, um I don't know, butter chicken? And can you make it hot? Which when I first heard that, I thought... Well, obviously, he's going to make it hot. He's not going to serve you cold butter chicken. Who does that? It's a restaurant. But that's not what they meant. When they asked for a hot butter chicken, they didn't mean temperature-wise it should be hot. They meant spice-wise. So if you if you say, I want hot butter chicken, that means you want spicy butter chicken. If you say medium butter chicken or mild butter chicken, that's obviously understandable. But the word hot is used like say if the food is spicy or not but also temperature wise you'll say the same thing it's hot today it's 35 degrees but oh my gosh the food is hot which means the food is spicy not that the food is actually like temperature wise hot and it took me such a long time to understand that i was like why are you calling this hot why are you not saying i want spicy butter chicken actually indians do another thing they go to restaurants and they don't just say, I want hot butter chicken. They will say, I want Indian hot, <laughs> which means make it like my mum makes it. But put that chili into it, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the four types of um, spice levels that you can get. Medium, mild, hot and Indian hot. Okay, suit yourself. Um, and then there was this other example with the accent. There's, obviously, every country has different accent. Um, for the English language but what Kiwis do here is they pronounce E as an I in quite a few words so if you wanted a pen from me a pen to write you will say can I please have a pen which sounds like P-I-N and I'll be like no I'm in the university I don't have a pen like who carries a pen with them but no they're actually asking you for a pen to write which actually did happen to me. It was really stupid, but I didn't understand. So I was like, no, I don't have a pen. And there were like three pens on my desk. So the other person gave me a really bad look. But anyways, like there's a few other lingos as well. So if if you're talking casually to a friend and you want to say no to something, you will not say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or nah, I'm not going to do that. You'll be like, yeah, nah. So you're saying yes, but no. So do you want to go out tomorrow? Yeah, nah i can't i've got something else to do so you're not just going to say no you'll be like yes but no which is like why would you do that but again i do that now all the time <laughs> when you start using all of this then you kind of feel like okay i am 100% immersed into this culture i'm using all of these stupid like little things that don't actually make sense but look at me so happy and and saying yeah now nah, for everything and asking for hot food <laughs> because i can't eat mild when i eat mild food i feel like there's nothing in it like it tastes like nothing so yeah it is what it is um then there's a few other culture shocks as well which i'm sure people who've moved to other like countries um can relate to especially like if you talk about north america or moving to um, moving to America specifically. What's with that culture of tipping? You eat something in a restaurant, it's $30. You pay 30 but then you have to pay, I don't know, 5 7 or even $10 extra to the waiter who's been serving you. But why? I don't want to do that. Are they not getting paid? They don't do that here in New Zealand or even in Australia. I haven't heard of people tipping, but I was in the US once and I was so like, stressed about like how much am I supposed to be tipping this person what if I don't tip enough and then they just like get real mad at me you know and then also with Americans driving on the other side of the road or shall I say Americans driving on the wrong side of the road and what's what's with your miles and Fahrenheit I don't know what 100 Fahrenheit is okay just tell me in degrees I don't know so there's I think a lot of things in like every country which which is probably different and when you first move there you you are like gosh what is happening because when you're new for I think the first few weeks you're like super happy excited you see all these new things happening and you're like wow but then a few weeks down the line you're just like well I didn't expect this to happen And like, no one told me it was going to happen this way. And it's all that like frustration kicks in and you're just like, gosh, why did I make this decision? Like, I should have researched about all these things before I moved here. And then I think, I think there's like steps to it and like step number three, which usually happens after six months is, is when you adapt and you're like, okay, so now instead of saying no, I'm just going to say yeah, now. And then i think it's like grief you know you know how there's like different stages of grief i think there's different stages of culture shock as well and um, the four fourth stage is the acceptance stage where you basically go that's how it's done when you're ordering food in an your restaurant you will say, I need hot food. What else is there to say? And you've actually forgotten what you thought when you first moved. Because by that time, you've like totally accepted it. You're part of it. And you're like, yes, I'm a KV. Or I'm an American now or whatever. But I think there's definitely stages to it. And all of this kind of adds to your experience or or shaping or like changing your personality a little bit. Because at the end of the day, we've moved. There's going to be things that will be done differently. And you do have like a list of things to do and how you'll do it. You've done the research of how you'll do it. But your research applies to the country you're coming from, not to the country you're moving to. So I think there's, there's definitely emotions that run high. And we, I think, probably just need to control the emotions and just go with the flow. I think what's really helped me is that I've been open to things. I've been open to doing things a different way or even trying new things. So if that helps you, I think you should give it a try. With this, we have come to the end of our episode if you like it please give us some feedback if you don't like it also please give us some feedback that feedback is really important and it helps to improve us follow us on social media on facebook and instagram we are at the migrant next door and on twitter it's at migrant next door and apart from that if you do want to keep updated subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and any other place that you go to to listen to your podcast. I will be back next week. So till then, take care and stay safe. Bye.